0: Come on.
1: Welcome,
0: to Lifeblood. This is George G, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, the strong and powerful Nikki Roush. Nikki, are you ready to do this?
1: I am so ready.
0: All right, let's let's go. Nikki is the founder and CEO of Sales Maven. She's a sales coach, a trainer, author, speaker and podcaster. She's teaching her clients how to authentically move people through the selling process in a way that builds relationships, creates true connection and results in more closed deals and long-term clients. Nikki, tell us a little about your personal life, some more about your work and why you do what you do.
1: Well, I live in Boise, Idaho right now, which we were just saying before we started this, it's now cold for me. <laughs> I lived in Seattle for twenty seven years and I just moved back and yeah, I'm getting I'm adjusting to the cold. Um, let's see my business is sales maven. I really focus on teaching people how to have more strategic sales conversations. So I specialize in the actual conversation where you're communicating with somebody either live in person, over the phone, or even via email, how do you move somebody through the process, and do it in a way that feels really good to you and feels really good to the buyer.
0: Nice. And what is it about sales that, that you like or how did you find yourself doing this?
1: Well, I actually got my first professional sales job from a college project. <laughs> so I've been in sales for now for over 25 years. And uh, what I really love about it from a salesperson's perspective is the opportunity to um, really create your income you know, you're in charge of what you're going to make. So coming from a very corporate background, I loved that I was never stifled. Like I could always make more money by continuing to grow my business and the sales piece of it. I also really, really love relationships and conversation. So how can you deliver something in a way that feels really good to the other person. So it's not about trying to convince people to buy your thing that they don't need or want. It's about understanding what's going on for this person and can you be of service to them? And I really have built my career on this idea of being of service. So that's kind of what I love about sales.
0: Nice. So I started my sales career in 2001 and I was selling life insurance and at that time, it was literally—I don't know if people were actually selling life insurance on the internet. But the company I was with is like you can't sell life insurance on online. So it was all, you know, face to face, belly to belly, yeah. eye to eye kind of stuff. And now today, it's obviously considerably different, if not the opposite, because of the <laughs> pandemic. Yeah. And I'm sure that uh, that you navigate online stuff and, and just just really kind of everything. So how how do you think about sales, is it the same as it's always been? Is it different?
1: I think it's different in that people are much more savvy. And I think people are more skeptical, right? Because you hear all the horror stories out there. So I think it's crucial now that you really are able to build rapport with the other person and that, you know, it isn't about um, I always say sales isn't something that you do to people. And I think that was kind of the old style of selling is like, go out there, hunt the big game, you know, convince this person that if they don't buy from you, their life's going to fall apart. And that isn't really what sales is sales actually is something you do with people. And I think when you start showing up from this place of with, that this, a this is a collaborative conversation. This isn't about me forcing anything on you. It's just me understanding, do you have a problem or a need or a want, do I have a solution that meets that? If not, I'm going to bless and release, be so glad that I met you, move on with my day, hope that you move on with yours. And yet, if there is something that I can offer to you in some way, then I feel like it's my responsibility to at least put it in front of you. And I teach this as put it in front of people in the form of an invitation. Because most of us like to be invited to things, even if we're not going to go, for instance, like somebody is going to have a holiday party or they're going to, you know, put on a block party or whatever it is, even if you're like, oh, I probably wouldn't go, it's still nice to get the invitation, right? And I think about sales in the same way is that if you have something that somebody might find value in, it is your obligation to issue that invitation and they can accept or decline And it doesn't mean you're a bad person or they're a bad person if they decline. It's just information. So make sure you're inviting people. Make sure you're making it so easy for people to take a next step with you.
0: I like it. Lots of really good stuff there. That's something that I suffered with early on in my career. I felt like I was doing something to people and not for Mm -hmm. them or, to your point, with them. So that's a really, really important thing. And I like the language of bless and release a lot. And I love this idea about um, extending an invitation. So, tell me a little bit. Can you give me an example, or tell me more about that?
1: Yeah. So, for instance, let's say that you meet somebody, and I'm just going to use life insurance because you brought it up, Great. right? And somebody says, you know, oh, what do you do? And you said, oh, you know, I I help people feel confident in you know what's going to happen as their life progresses, or whatever you say about that. And they go, ooh, what does that mean? And you go, well, there's a life insurance policy. And they go, oh. Life insurance policy. Yeah, I don't have one of those. So I would see that as a potential buying signal. And sure. I would say, is that something you'd be interested in chatting more about? That's an invitation. Got it. And then if they say yes, Then I'm going to say, you know, well, let me ask you some questions and find out what's important to you and see if we have a plan that would make sense for you. And then I'm going to ask him some questions, find out what like what the plan would be. And then I would say, you know, I do have an idea of a plan that would be a good fit for you. Is it okay if I tell you a little bit about that? Notice I'm issuing an invitation again. I'm also asking permission as well. I never go into hard sell mode like, oh, you don't have life insurance. You should buy one. Here's what you should buy. And, you know, it's like, no, wait, like get these yeses along the way. Make sure people are in issue invitations. Let them say yes or no. Because frankly, if if the answer is no, if you say, well, would you be interested in talking more about that? And they go, no you don't want to be the person who didn't like miss that step and was like, Oh, well you need a life insurance policy. Everybody needs one. And here's what you should buy. Cause now what you've done is you've broken rapport with them. You didn't, you didn't have their permission. There was nothing about them that indicated they were interested in hearing your offer. So chances are, even if they do decide to buy a life insurance policy, they're probably not going to buy it from you.
0: Why do people resist this? And, if they do, um, or if once they know, do they continue to resist? And 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 maybe why?
1: I think the biggest thing is that we all. Don't like to be judged, right? Mm-hmm. Like, who wants to be judged? And it's harsh judgment out there. Like, we're all used to, you know, oh my gosh, be careful what you p- post online or be careful what you say because somebody's going to come at you. And so I think it's this idea of judgment one, like, ah, oh, people are going to judge me. Now, the thing that I teach around sales is that you cannot be focused on you. You cannot be focused on what are they thinking about me and are they okay with me? It's like, no, be focused on the other person. And are they comfortable? Do they feel good about this conversation? Are they engaged in the conversation? Because then when you take yourself out of it, it takes some of that pressure off about like judgment. And then the other thing, the big thing, which I, I feel like everybody talks about this in sales is this fear of rejection. Like, oh my gosh, what if they say no to me? I'm going to feel so rejected. And the idea that I often give, or the story I'll say is: you know, imagine that you go out to a restaurant and you have an amazing meal. And at the end of the meal, the waiter comes by and says, you know, can I show you the dessert menu? And you say, oh, maybe next time. I can't possibly today. I'm so full. The meal is so great. You know, the waiter doesn't go back to the kitchen and be like, can you believe that broad? (laughs) She rejected me. I offered her dessert. She said no. You know, like, like, so I think when you start looking at sales is like, it's just an invitation. You can look at the dessert menu or not, and you can decline and the relationship can still be intact. Then I think the pressure comes off of a no isn't rejection. Sometimes it's a not yet. And sometimes it is a no, but it's not like you're a bad person or you did something wrong. It's just information. Move on.
0: So maybe I should change my approach because I've always said yes to dessert. Just as, uh. as.
1: <laughs> Hey, I like dessert too. So. <laughs> Please show me the dessert when you out of fear
0: of rejecting the 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 server. I, I just I just I just never wanted to do that. So
1: no never want to reject the server and also (laughs) isn't it still nice like if the server doesn't offer you the dessert menu right like if you're the customer and the and they don't even offer to show you the dessert menu they just bring you the check don't you sometimes feel a little bit like uh excuse me maybe I want dessert tonight right so it's the same thing with sales if you don't offer to other people they walk away or they leave the restaurant going like wow they didn't even want like it's like they just wanted me out of there. They just wanted the table turned. That doesn't feel good. So when you don't offer people the opportunity to work with you, they leave feeling like you didn't even offer them the dessert menu. How dare you?
0: Yeah, the, what a what a great way to look at that and 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 to think about it, right? It's just waiter think that I'm overweight and I shouldn't have dessert or something like that? Or (laughs) does does George think I'm broke and I can't afford insurance? You know, he didn't even ask if I wanted to buy.
1: Yeah, yeah. People make up stories because we think the whole world revolves around us, right? Like everything that happens is happening for me, to me, against me. So you're thinking about how they're thinking about you, but they're actually thinking about how you're interacting with them. And if you don't invite people, they walk away and they make up a story like, oh, Nikki doesn't think I can afford her services or Nikki doesn't think I'm the right kind of client or Nikki doesn't think I can learn how to sell. I never want people to walk away feeling like any of those things with me.
0: Can anybody learn how to sell?
1: Yes, I think so. I think there's a structure. This comes from my background in neuro-linguistic programming. There's a structure to excellence And this is why I teach a lot of structure around sales. So it isn't that I'm not giving you a script, like you say this, they say that, then you say this. I do like scripts, but I like them from example standpoint. Um, I like structure. If you can teach people structure, they can implement it and get results. So you get to show up, be you, be your authentic self in the conversation, but understand where am I in the conversation? What's the next logical step? Ah, uh, did they give me a buying signal? Should I issue an invitation? did um, Did they decline? Should I check to see if there's an objection there that I could possibly uncover, overcome? Those types of things are structure. So I love structure because I think once once you know the steps, you can follow them, right? That's how I feel about sales,
0: yeah, I appreciate that very much. Having structure allows you to show up more authentically as yourself. I think that, that maybe people just don't, that, that, that hasn't really clicked for people necessarily. They probably, sometimes I think that they think it's the opposite.
1: Yeah. Cause they think, oh, well, you're either good at sales or you're not, you either have that natural charisma or you don't. But the thing about it is the way that people get really, really good. The way people hone their skills is practice and structure, right? Like whether you're you know, an athlete, or whether you are in business, learning how to have a structure, so that you can do it over and over and over again. That's how you build that muscle memory. It's like, you know, a pitcher that's on the mound, they don't just go out there and wing it, like they know what is what does my body have to do? What position am I in in order to throw that ball in order to hit that target, you know, to to hit the strike zone or whatever that is there's practice involved. So structure is super important. The best athletes have it. The best performers have it. It's structure. Like, you know, uh, even if you're a musician, you don't necessarily go on and just go like, I'm going to wing it tonight. No, you have a playlist. You know what you're going to play before you go on stage.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And certainly the Beatles are just a perfect example, right? They practiced and practiced and practiced more than any perhaps still human beings have ever practiced music. And so it's not just that they were super talented, but they were absolute consummate musicians who put in so much time and so many hours to, to perfect their craft. So, yeah, I think that that's, that's, that, that's another great example. Um, and just how, how do you hope to get better at anything unless you understand the framework of whatever the technical skill is. And then you just need your repetition to be able to get more comfortable. And as things get thrown at you, then you'll be able to
1: handle it. Yeah, because then you know it's it's like you've got that confidence. It's like where's my center? I can always go back to center. And if I get a little shaken or something happens, it's like, oh, I can go back to where I'm at. Like I know where my center is. My whatever that is for you, whether it's your balance, whether it's your you, just your process, your structure, your framework. So I love the idea again, structure, framework. This is why I teach, you know, I teach a structure that's called the selling staircase. I wrote a book about it. And it's this five-step process. And when you understand where you are, what step am I on? Then you know how to move to the next step and or identify, I'm not talking to an ideal client. So it's okay to bless and release in this particular moment. So all of these things are just this, like you said, repetition. It's super important to continue to hone your, your craft, hone your skill. Everything that you're really good at today, you didn't just wake up and like know how to do. You practiced.
0: Do you ever hear, oh, but this this won't work for what I do.
1: Yes. <laughs> people always say, well, Nikki, have you ever sold, you know, mm. this? Like, how can you help people? And I always say, like, my answer is if you are selling to people and not just selling like through a website, like not through a shopping cart, yes, I can help you because it's about conversation, it's about relationship, and that means rapport has to be built And you have to understand where you are in the conversation in order to move somebody to the next step in the process.
0: It's that whole world revolves around me kind of a thing where what I do is so unique that there's no way. no way The special
1: snowflake. Yes, yes.
0: And while that's true.
1: Yes, of course. and, And
0: perhaps you're already getting the results you're looking for so that this is not a good fit. But if you are not, you probably need to look to let's do a diagnosis of, of what your process is. What are you saying to people? Is it the same every time or are you just sort of flying by the seat of your pants and trying out different stuff?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm somebody who, you know, I, I can wing it in a lot of areas of my life too. But again, when I know where my center is, where I know where my structure is, it helps me come back and get centered when things don't go the way I want them to, or when the conversation gets, you know, there's a hiccup or something, something happens, being able to go back to, oh, I know what to do now. I know, I have some confidence around what I could say, because I've practiced because I've, I've been in these situations before, you know, as unique as each conversation can be with each potential client, there's still some like, common things that happen in every sales conversation, right? Somebody's going to ask about price. Somebody's going to have to find out what's the problem, what's the need, like there are some common things. And when you start to just get more confident around what's going to happen then the sales process, again, not only does it get easier for you, it gets so much easier for the buyer. And people like easy. And if you make it easy for people to buy from you, they will.
0: Amen. Well, Nikki, the people are ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them?
1: Okay. Well, I'm going to say my difference-making tip, I've probably said it now you know, 18 times, is invite people. If you're not getting the words out of your mouth, if you're not issuing those invitations, chances are people don't even know what to do with you next. They don't know what the next step is. Don't assume that, oh, if they want to buy from me, they'll let me know. They will not. You have to put the decision in front of them, and the way you do it is through an invitation. Just say, is that something you'd like to learn more about, or is that something you'd like to do together, or is that something you'd like to place an order for? Those simple questions will make a big difference in your business.
0: Well, I think that is great stuff. That definitely gets, come on. Yes, I and I think that we all fall victim of of doing that well so and so knows what I do already I don't you know they already know if they're interested then, then, then they'll just ask me no wrong <laughs> wrong I wrong it. yeah <laughs> well Nikki thank you so much for coming on where can people learn more about you how can they engage with you
1: well, the easiest way is I'm gonna wrap it around a gift for your audience, if that's all right. Great. This is uh, so I'm gonna wrap it around um, an ebook that I have that's called Closing the Sale, and it talks about the last three steps of the selling staircase that I had mentioned. It's all about building your confidence in those conversations. You can get it by going to your salesmaven, and it's M-A-V-E-N dot com forward slash lifeblood. So your com forward slash lifeblood, and then we'll be connected. And uh, you mentioned at the beginning, I also have a podcast. If you want to check it out, it's called Sales Maven. I'd love to hear from a listener what was their takeaway from today or what was something I said that sparked something for them.
0: Love it. Well, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Nikki your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas, pick up a copy of Nikki's ebook, Closing the Sale, by going to your sales maven, what, your sales slash lifeblood pick up a copy of that check out her podcast the sales maven podcast and i'll list all those in the notes of the show thanks again nikki thank you and until next time keep fighting the good fight as we are all in this together